Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. Today's guest is a little bit of a departure from my previous guests. I've interviewed seasoned veterans from the Broadway scene, but today I'm featuring a future Broadway drumming legend. His name is Jesse Ray Leach. Jesse Ray is from North Kingstown, Rhode Island. He was the drummer for the national tours of Motown the Musical, Something Rotten, and Summer, the Donna Summer Musical. Jesse Ray will be drumming for the Broadway Brown show, Mr. Saturday Night with Billy Crystal. And later on in 2022, he's going to be the drummer for the show K-Pop. Stay tuned for more. Welcome to Broadway Drumming 101. My guest today is Jesse Ray Leach from Rhode Island. Yes, sir. Actually, you're from North Kingston, Rhode Island. North Kingstown, yeah. North Kingstown. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, North Kingstown, a little small town, smallest state in the country, but we got to represent. <laughs> How far, you know, I, I used to play a lot in Rhode Island with a band that I was in years ago yeah. called Evil Twins, and we played okay. uh, The Strand. I don't know if you remember, is The yeah. Strand still around? Mm-hmm. They might have gotten rid of it recently. Um, yeah, I, I never like really hung out that much in Providence, but yeah, The Strand, I mean, that was like, like 20, 25 minutes from where I grew up, but everything is so close in Rhode Island. So that's, that's I true. absolutely know exactly. Yeah. It's, I it's forgot so how small it is. So mm-hmm. North, North really Kingstown, is. how far away is that from uh, Providence? Mm-hmm. From Providence? Yeah, it's probably about yeah, 30 minutes. Like if you have traffic, 35, 40, but it's not bad at all. Yeah. We're like North Kingstown. We're technically like Southern Rhode Island. If you can okay. call it that. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you grew yeah. up in North Kingstown and, I did. Tell me your first musical memory. What do you, what's the first thing sure. that you remember? First musical memory was my mom uh, taking me to drum lessons when I was four years old. Um, I had never played anything before, but um, for whatever reason, my mom just always loved the drums when she was growing up. Um, she never played or anything. She's not musical. My dad's not musical. And um, fun fact, I'm actually, I'm adopted from Ecuador. So um, yeah, I am... Yeah, I grew up with, you know, white parents in a white household. Um, but for whatever reason, my mom loved music and uh, took me. And it was kind of hard for her at first to get me lessons because I was so young. Um, a lot of different drum studios, they didn't really want to deal with them. But like a kid that was that young, they're like, he's too little. He can't do it. He can't do it. Um, and then she finally found one place that was like, you know, we'll give it a shot. And if it works out, it works out. And we did it. And I just... I honestly don't really remember a time not playing the drums. So um, it was just, it's just kind of been like my whole life. And um, so I get it just kind of worked out and I stuck to it and I just kind of always loved it from then on. So your, yeah. mom, your mom introduced you to the drums like in the drums. way. Yeah. Yeah. She was just like, she just, I, I honestly don't recall like the first day, but I just know like she just decided to take me to drum lessons. She was probably just like, do you want to go to drum lessons? I said, yeah. And we, <laughs> I just did it. And it just, it just fit. It's so strange. It's crazy how life works out. And um, yeah, so I'm forever grateful 
to my mother for taking me to those drum lessons when I was four. <laughs> yeah. Did she come to any of your first performances when you uh, started playing in bands or? Always, always, always. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I started really young and then didn't really start doing performances until like, you know, you get to fifth grade in elementary school and you start doing bands. So I got into bands, started playing snare drum and always my mom, my dad, like extended family, my family, family like pretty much lives in Rhode Island. So like everybody would come, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, um, always supporting me like from the start. And um, that's really what got me to this point today, for sure. Yeah. So you were in uh, certain bands in, in middle school or elementary school, too? Actually, even before I started fifth grade band, um, you know, I was lucky because I was ahead of the game a bit starting so young. Um, and I had a drum teacher that had a connection to this youth orchestra in Rhode Island. Uh, it was a bunch of like, middle school, high school kids that were playing in bands. And I was like nine years old. I was fourth grade. I think so the year before band would have started for me, they were like... Um, you know, let's throw this kid in and see how he fits in the mix. And um, it was it was a great learning experience for me because I was at that point I was just kind of playing drum set stuff and snare drum. But now I, it was like a, a whole band orchestra, so I was looking at bass drum parts and auxiliary percussion that I had never dealt with before. And they kind of those kids really took me under their wing and showed me how all that worked. Um, so we did a few performances with that. And then, yeah, I started fifth grade band. Um, and then once I got into the middle school, I started auditioning for the all-state orchestras in Rhode Island. And the good thing about Rhode Island being so small was it was like fairly easy to get into, you know, the, the all-state level bands. If you cared about it enough, you know, and you really put in the work, you could do it because it was a fairly small pool. Um, so I started doing all-state orchestra, all-state jazz band, and continued doing that through high school as well. Were you playing in any yeah. uh, like rock bands or any other kind of like pop music bands in high school? Yeah, so that all kicked off when I was in middle school. When I was like, I want to say actually sixth grade, I was in my first like rock band. We started playing, we were playing like Green Day, Green Day stuff. It was just me, drums, two guitars. I don't think we even had a bass player and a singer. Um, just kind of messing around doing that. And then uh, a couple years later, uh, I was in eighth grade. Um, I got into like my first serious band and, uh, yeah, we were playing like a lot of like pop punk music. That's like, that was really my thing back then. That what really gave me the drive to play drums. I love the energy of pop punk music. So we were playing green day on that band to, um, this band called Paramore. That's my favorite band. Oh yeah. Um, actually, I have a pair, I have a Paramore tattoo, like the whole thing. Um, like my chemical romance, we would play all that stuff. And, um, yeah, that, that really helped develop, um, my playing in a way that um, lessons couldn't really do for me um, because it was just, it was really cool to be able to play with friends and be in a room with them and just kind of play something that we love. And I remember watching, there was a Paramore uh, DVD that was basically a documentary and performance type film. And um, I would just be glued to the TV watching that, like watching the drummer's name, Zach Farrow, one of my favorite drummers. Um, and I would just watch it repeat 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 and then i would like learn how to play his little nuances i was like this is the first time i was you know listening to the record and then seeing him play it live and i was like okay so he's kind of like switching it up a bit live and you know throwing these little nuances here and there i want to learn how to do that so that's kind of what took me out of just reading music and using your ear and just kind of like learning to be more creative with playing the drum um so yeah that was a huge part of my upbringing in music for sure so who introduced you to the pop punk scene yeah, it was um 
really just friends. Like I remember um, we would make little mix CDs. Um, this was like before, like right when iTunes was starting to become popular, it wasn't really a thing yet. Um, so we would like rip songs off of, it was called LimeWire. <laughs> yeah, I like remember LimeWire. Yeah, LimeWire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had, I had yeah. so many MP3s. I got to tell you a little story. Yeah. I had so yeah, many yeah. MP3s on an external hard drive and I was going mm-hmm. to transfer all of them to another one, which was newer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, tra- I was about to transfer and I was going to format the new hard drive. But I yeah. formatted the old one. And I got no rid way. of 70,000 MP3s, just gone. My Whoa. heart was like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. I did not just do that. I did no. not just do that. Oh, no. Yeah. But all those oh, lines, my God. What was it called again? Uh, the, the format LimeWire was on? What was the those LimeWire, yeah. What were, they, what were they called again? I can't remember the, those oh, websites. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember either what they were called, but I remember it was it was very illegal. <laughs> it, was like, it was, you know, it was very, it certainly very was. It was like a weird. It was a weird time, like right in between like CDs and like online music. Yeah, right. Like Napster got shut down, so people were like, "Okay, I'm gonna do something else." And floods of of music were just coming in. I was like, "Let me get the whole discography of of David Bowie." And, and but anyway. I, I don't what the, I, I don't know what the statute of limitations is of for that stuff. Maybe right. I should be <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I sorry, David. Too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though That's you know so what? I, I bought all those CDs back in the nineties mm-hmm. or eighties mm-hmm, and nineties mm-hmm. and two thousands. And then I was like, you know, when I found mm-hmm. out about iTunes and then I found yeah. out about Spotify, I was like, you know, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I, I I you know, I have the records that have the tapes and i had the cds i bought yeah. stuff three times over i'm not doing it anymore so anyway right yeah I yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was a weird time for sure like with yeah music streaming and like getting things like that it was very strange do you still have those mp3s yeah. on a hard drive anywhere i don't um but i think i still have my little mp3 player somewhere like i'm sure it doesn't work anymore but i have this little <laughs> mp3 player and i throw everything on there you remember you used to make make stuff and then had to drag it drag the stuff onto your mp3 player and take it with you right exactly uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, burn it on yeah, yeah. i know so, so anyway I, i'm mm-hmm. sorry go ahead back to your uh no you're fine your question was um who introduced you about to the pop punk who, intru- who introduced me yeah oh yeah we were talking about yeah the mixed cd so it was just kind of like friends here and there um i would hear like a song here uh like green day american idiot i was like hmm, okay i like really dig that stuff um and then I remember like just kind of like walking through Walmart, you know, and I, I was listening to Green Day a little bit for American Idiot because that was like 2004. So I was probably like, I was young, like nine years old. Um, and then I saw a Green Day CD and it was Dookie and I was young. And um, I was like, Mom, can I get this? And she said, oh, yeah, sure. So picked up the Dookie CD, one of my favorite albums of all time. And um, I remember taking that to my drum teacher um, and he taught me. Um, the songs that I wanted to learn, he he wrote them out for me, transcribed them, and I got to learn them. And then I remember, like, after the fact, he went up to my mom, and he was kind of like, you know, this music's kind of mature for him. <laughs> He's, like, only nine years old, so you might want to, like, you know, take a look at that and hold on to it. So mm-hmm. after that, I never saw that Dookie CD again. <laughs> but um, I, I remember, like, yeah, like, learning that stuff, and that's really what got me into it. Um, and then with the band I was talking about um, that I played in, that was, like, my first serious band we had a female lead singer and um, she's the one that showed us Paramore because 
their uh, lead singer, Taylor Williams. Um, I had never heard of them before. Um, we started learning some of their songs. Like we were almost like a Paramore cover band. Then we would do other things as well. Um, but that's, yeah, that's kind of like what really got me into that pop punk scene of everything. And um, I just love playing that musical friend. Yeah. Did your, did any of your bands ever write original music? Yeah. So, um, yeah, with that band, we were called Solace. Um, we, we did write a few songs together. Um, but then like, we weren't, we weren't together that long. It was like maybe like two years and then we kind of disbanded. And then through that, I formed another band, um, with the kid that played bass. Um, he was, he's also a, a really good singer. So I ended up forming a band with him and his brother. And, um, we ended up writing a good amount of songs together and, um, we had a good run, like through high school, um, you know, doing battle of the bands. We won a couple of times and, um, again, with my parents being so supportive with all my music endeavors, um, they would help us um, get these performances for um, different events throughout Rhode Island. I remember my mom had a friend um, that's involved in the school called Meeting Street School in Providence, and it's the school for special needs children. And um, every year they do a, like a telethon where they have people call in and give donations to the, the school. And um, two years we got to um, perform for that, and we were broadcast on uh national rhode island news so it was like a big deal for us you know <laughs> channel 12 news but it was like a big deal for us you know and um yeah it just kind of you know helped form my love for performing and you know doing this um it made me want to do this as a living yeah so, i was going to um, ask you you know did you ever have mm-hmm. any other interests that you you know you want to do something else with your life or you just like you know i want to just play drums right no i never really did um when i was young young uh, like, I, I think I said I wanted to be a police officer so I could eat donuts all day long, but that was about <laughs> it. <laughs> I remember funny. that. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, like, in all seriousness, I never really had any other interest other than music and playing drums. I always knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I had questions about, like, maybe, like, being a band director, things like that. But, like, I, I once I was in, like, middle school, high school, I, I kind of made up my mind that I wanted to do something that had to do with music. Did you want to be in a band like Paramore or Green Day? Or you said, you know what? I want to play Broadway musicals one day. Right. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, Broadway didn't cross my mind like as a job until like really like my senior year of college. Um, I just, I just knew that I wanted to play drums. It's weird. Like now that I think back at it, like I was looking at colleges and, you know, I want to go to school for drumming. Um, but like, I, I just wanted to play. Like, I didn't know who I wanted to play for, what I wanted to play for. I just knew I wanted to play drums for a living. I didn't really care. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would have been awesome to play in a band like Paramore Green Day, whatever. I mean, that, that's, that's the dream. Like, that would be amazing. But um, yeah, the, the way that I kind of fell into the Broadway thing was, um, you know, after, we'll go back to, yeah, I'll go back to my senior year of high school. Um, or even before that, I started playing um, for Broadway shows. I played for three shows, um, throughout my years in high school. Um, I remember my freshman year, they did Pippin, but I couldn't play for it because there were two older drummers that had seniority over me. And then my sophomore year, um, I got to play the percussion book for West Side Story, which was absolutely insane. (laughs) Um, absolutely loved that show, but that book was crazy. I definitely faked my way through that as a little (laughs) sophomore, but it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. And, um, 
doing it. But even at that point, I still didn't really, it didn't really compute in my mind that, oh, this is something that real people do as a job. Um, and then next year, I think we played, it was Footloose, and I got to play the drum set chair. It was a lot of fun. And then um, the next year, I played the drum set chair for Guys and Dolls, which was also a lot of fun. Um, and for all three of those shows, I had a blast. And I think those were like my favorite performances of the school year with the musicals. Um, but it still didn't register in my mind that this is a real job. Um, and then as I was going through college, um, my yeah, yeah, freshman so, year. So yeah, tell me yeah. why you chose the University of Rhode Island and, right. and so, not someplace else. Yeah. yeah, well, I didn't really. So um, <laughs> I ended up like having to go there because the only schools I auditioned for were three schools here in New York. And now it's very strange, again, because at this point, like I said, I didn't even, Broadway wasn't even a thing on my mind at this point. I just always loved New York and I wanted to be there. I knew they had a great music scene. So I was like, this is where I want to go to school. So I auditioned at NYU, Manhattan School of Music, and the new school. And then my parents were like, you have to, you have to submit for URI too, just because like, you know, it's here, you know? And I think they were like, you know, I was very involved in the music scene in Rhode Island. So um, I think I was given like a few little scholarships here and there to URI. So they were like, you need to apply here as well. So I did. And that was it. Um, I didn't get into NYU. I didn't get into Manhattan, but I got into the new school. Um, and I was so excited. I wanted to go so bad. Um, and I was going to go in for jazz. Um, but it was just so expensive that like we just, we just couldn't do it. It was ridiculous. Like I would have walked out over $200,000 in debt and like, <laughs> just, there's just no way possible. So I was heartbroken, but you know, understood obviously because that's insane. Um, so I ended up having to go to URI and I was not very happy with that decision, you know, or that circumstance because I just kind of wanted to get out of Rhode Island. I had been to URI so many times for different music competitions and whatnot. Um, so I, I wasn't about it, but, um, in the end, it all worked out and I had a wonderful time at that school. The professors were wonderful. Program was great. And, um, you know, it really, um, it, I think it, everything happens for a reason. I truly believe that. And during my time at URI, right after high school, I actually got hired to play um, for this theater in Rhode Island called the Newport Playhouse. Um, so if I ended up going somewhere else, I would have never had that experience. So this was one of the little gateways that kind of sparked my interest in theater a little bit more. I was like, hmm, okay, this is cool. Um, so the way this worked out was it's kind of like a dinner theater in Newport, Rhode Island, if you've ever been there. It's beautiful, right on the water. Um, they do a buffet for dinner. Then you go into another room and you watch a play. And then you come back and there's a cabaret. And that's where I would play would be a drummer pianist and then the cast would come up and we would do different songs from different musicals and have different skits in between um so i did that for four years throughout my college experience and um i had a blast with that and a lot of the people that worked there worked in at some pretty serious theaters around the country or had done tours before so i was talking to them about that and that kind of sparked my interest in uh broadway dramas like okay so this is something that you know i really enjoy it's something that i could really you know put my life's work into um and then as i was going through college even more i started seeing more shows that were coming through providence uh, i remember seeing i saw the lion king came through i've always loved the lion king so that was huge for me um 
Wicked came through. I think I saw that twice. Um, and then I remember seeing Rent uh, out of Boston. And that was a show that after watching, I remember leaving the theater and being like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to do that. <laughs> I'm sure because it was more of a, of a rock show. Right. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The energy of it, everything. I was just like, yeah, that, that's definitely what I want to do. Um, so that's really what got me into this. Um, yeah. And still to this day, like I, like, even though I love Broadway so much, you know, and I'm so happy to be doing this. I was, I would still love to play for, you know, other artists too, like do that, that type of work, like Sideman type work. Um, but who knows? Like I've always just been the type of guy that I just want to play. I just want to play, man. All right. So yeah. here's the scenario. I, I, I have a new yeah. show. It's going to be running for 20 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or the drummer for Paramore is out. And, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. and he can't play Playing. the next tour. <laughs> One or the other. What, what are you going to do? That's tough. That's tough. That's a gamble. That's a gamble. I'd say you take uh, the Paramore gig because that's the <laughs> right. I probably would. I would. My I, I would smart too. mind should take that. <laughs> right. Yeah. My smart mind would take that. 20, 20 years. I mean, you're all set. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I would know. probably. I would probably take that gig. <laughs> but you know, you can take the take the Broadway show and then take off. You can always you're take right. Off take time off. That's the both world. Yes, that's the yeah. one of the yeah. great things about Broadway is that you can do that. Right. But, you know, exactly. I, I always wanted to be a rock star and I had dreadlocks down to my back and I was cool. Now, yes. I'm, all, now I'm all wholesome and got family and stuff. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, right. my dream mm-hmm. is still to play in a big rock band on a big stage. Yeah. I just want to see what it's mm-hmm. like just once. <laughs> just once. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's just, I just want to like have that experience. Like I don't have any desire to be like famous, like in a famous band and anything like that. I just want to like have that experience, like playing for an artist and like doing that whole thing. It just seems like a really cool, special thing. Were there any yeah. uh, people that you played with in um, high school or college or shortly mm-hmm. thereafter where you played in a big venue and actually kind of had that experience? Right. Um, Never really like a huge venue like that. Like that band that I played with in high school, um, we did pretty well. And like we would, for like outdoor gigs, we would have a good amount of people come just because we had so many like supporters for us, like in our town and, you know, families, everything. So like, you know, we would have really great crowds like that. But I never, no, never really played like a big, huge venue like that until like I started playing for like the, the theater gigs, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of theater, your introduction mm-hmm. to actually becoming a professional working musician was in 2017. Yeah. 2017. Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I graduated from URI in May of 2017. Um, and I didn't mention this to you before, but so I went into URI as a jazz major. I started doing that. Um, and then I ended up my sophomore year. I really like the end of my freshman year. I ended up switching my mind and be like, you know what? I want to get my education degree. Um, just in case, cause you never know in this business, you know, it's so hard. It's so hard and nothing's guaranteed. Um, so I decided to get, um, that degree just in case as a, as, as a fallback, just in case performing didn't work out. And, um, that kind of helped me out cause I was able to play drum set and do classical percussion that really like helped, you know, make me well-rounded. Um, so fast forward, I get my education degree, graduate. And that whole um, year, my senior year, I was doing a lot of research online, like how to become a Broadway drummer, 
I was uh, messaging a bunch of different drummers that were on Broadway shows, um, like on Facebook, just trying to get, you know, advice, like, how do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I came across the Playbill website, www.playbill.com. Um, and I noticed that they have, they do have a job section there, if you look. And if you scroll down, there's a musician category. So I found that. And I was looking through that, just kind of like refreshing it. Like every now and then they'll post things where people are looking for um, musicians. And I knew going into this that usually with Broadway drumming, it's about the connections you make and who you know. And I obviously didn't know anybody at that point. So I was just kind of looking, doing my research. And um, I saw that there were a few postings for um, non-equity tours looking for musicians. It was, um, it was like the Dirty Dancing tour was going out. There was another one, and it was in Motown was going out, and I, I saw that um, like shortly after I graduated. So I was like, oh, okay, and it was all online audition, um, so I didn't have to be in New York. I was just in Rhode Island, so I was like, okay, this is perfect. So um, I submitted for all three of those and just kind of recorded myself with my GoPro, and um, I had a little four-track Tascam um, interface that I would plug into my computer and just record through GarageBand. Um, so I did that. Um, sent away the audition material. I never heard back from the first two, um, but then I got like a call back, if you will, from Motown. Um, so the first round of the audition was basically they just wanted to see like some examples of your playing, like something, a few different styles. And then for the callback, they sent uh, like three tunes from the show and they wanted me to record that. So I did that and I recorded it over the Broadway recording, I believe, sent that to them. And they liked it, but they wanted me to play to a click, like just, just click with the music. So did it again, uh, since it was in just a click. Then after like, it was like two months of waiting, I was like, oh, I'm never going to hear back from them. Um, and I got an email saying that you're hired for this show. And I was like, I was freaking out because this is like wow. literally right after I graduated college. Like I felt very, very, very lucky. Um, and that's, that's exactly how I got my foot into that door. Um, and then that that September we started uh, rehearsals in New York. That's great to get a job right out of college. That's that's pretty impressive. You went on tour with Motown for how long? And it was nine months. Yeah, um, and it was it was so much fun. Like, I I was a, such a huge like Michael Jackson fan. Like as a kid growing up, Jackson Five, and in turn that made me fall in love with the whole Motown you know discography of everything. Uh, so. Like to, to be playing for this, I, I was like, I was in my glory with that. It was so much fun. And um, what cities did you guys go to? Uh, we we did a lot. I will say though, for it being a non-union um, like bus and truck tour, our schedule was pretty nice. Um, mostly weeks it, but we would definitely have some split weeks here and there. It would be like three nights there, two nights there, two nights here, three nights there, and then there was only one week of like one nighters. Um, where you like have no idea where you're at. Um, but we did, um, I know we did Boston for a week. We did, um, we didn't do like any of the huge cities like LA, but we would, we did like Costa Mesa and Thousand Oaks. Um, and we did San Diego. Um, and like, we didn't do San Francisco, but we did San Jose, like things like that, you know, those types of cities. It reminds me of the first tour that I did was with a show called Footloose and we did a bus and truck tour. And I just remember driving around the United States and seeing the Southwest and then seeing the, you know, go, going from the Northeast, going across the United States 
then going to, uh, you know, uh, Washington, then coming down the coast and then going in the Southwest and going to Texas and then going up. It's just so many things that you can see. And yet we played Peoria, Illinois and yeah. <laughs> Boise, <laughs> Idaho. Peoria. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had my wallet stolen. Oh no, really? In, in, P- in Peoria, Illinois, uh, the band, we, I had my wallet stolen out of the dressing room. Our bassist had his iPad stolen and, what? uh, AMD had his laptop, uh, laptop stolen as well. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> so if you play Peoria, Illinois, yeah, be careful. <laughs> Hold on to your, your, your goods. Wow. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, those are, yeah, those are exactly the, those are the same cities that we played for sure. Yeah. You, so you know, yeah, it was amazing. Like seeing all that, like you said, the like driving around the country and just seeing all the different places is so cool. So you got done yeah. with Motown in 2018. Yeah, it was in, we finished in June. Um, yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, Motown led right into something rotten because um, it's kind of funny. So go back to May of 2018. Um, we had a layoff from Motown before like the last bit of the tour. Uh, so I came, I went home to Rhode Island and the first national tour of something rotten was in Providence. And um, it was this, it's the same company that was doing Motown. It's a Worklight production. Um, so I talked to like our company manager, and I was like, "Hey, like, can I go see this show?" And they're like, "Sure." So they got me a ticket, um, and I saw the show. I absolutely loved it. It was hilarious. I had no idea what to expect going to see it because uh, something rotten. Like I had never really heard of it before, and I listened to the music. So I was like, hmm, "This is interesting." Um, but once I saw the show, it just it makes so much sense, and it's a blast. So I went up to the MD and introduced myself, told them who I was, was doing Motown. And he says, oh, I'm going to be on your flight tomorrow back to Toronto. Um, he was coming to see our show to check out what gear from our tour they could take for the second national something rotten. So he flies to Toronto with us and he sits in uh, to our rehearsal. And um, so he got to know me um, and he got to know the MD, the band. And... Um, he decided pretty much on the spot to hire um, our MD from Motown, his name is Matthew Croft, to MD the second national of something rotten. Um, and in turn, they ended up taking me along as well. So I, um, I think I had booked that basically at, during the last couple of weeks of our Motown tour. So I knew I was going to do that with them. Um, so yeah, come June, ended Motown. We had like July and August off and then um, like in September, it was back to the races with something rotten in rehearsals in the city. Yeah. So you went on tour with that? It was a, it was another bus and truck tour? Another one. Yeah. Now this was this was a true a true bus and truck tour. <laughs> <laughs> Me, meaning yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Meaning like one nighters. So, oh yeah, lots of one nighters. Uh. It was crazy. I remember towards the end of the tour, like we were we were tired, we were haggard, we weren't looking great. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah, man. it was, it was rough, but, um, before you go on for those that are just listening to this, a lot of people don't understand. They may not know what a bus and truck tour is. Sure. Tell, tell people that are listening or watching what a bus yeah. and truck tour is and how does it work mm-hmm. as far as the drums going from place to place? Now, did you have to set them up? And so a bus and truck tour, um, basically it's yeah, non-union touring. So it's, you know, much lower budget than a union tour, equity tour, if you will. And, um, Typically, your schedule is pretty scattered and sporadic. You're not you're not going to be sitting in a city for a month. You're not going to be sitting in a city for like rarely rare, rarely two weeks. 
Um, so usually you'll be, you know, go to a smaller town, play it for three nights, and then pack up your stuff, go to the next city for the next two nights, and you're just bouncing around. And as far as um, the band goes, um, for these tours, we had the props department would set up my drum roughly, and then I would just have to go in before sound check, fix everything, make it nice, um, and then that was it. And then end of the show when you're packing up from that city, I would have to put the drums away just because props, they have so much to do afterwards of tearing down the stage as quickly as possible. So you have to put it all away. So with the Rotten Tour, it was a lot of uh, set up, set down for sure. <laughs> um, but it was good. Um, and there was also um, like a, a pit rat that we called it for Motown and Something Rotten. Um, so for Motown, it was our bassist. He would come in before sound check and he would help set up the keyboard rig, the pedal, um, and make sure his rig was all set and that we had our, you know, stands and music were all set. Um, and that was my job for the Something Rotten tour. So I got to, I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Learned a lot about like main stage and like hooking everything up, um, for keyboard players. So it was, that was a cool experience. Give yeah. me flashbacks, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get there and the, the, the toms are like this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're like, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. But you know, yeah, you kind of understand that they're they're running around doing a bunch of things, and you kind of get it. Kind of give them a little leeway. They're doing. Oh my gosh, they're doing so much, and that you know you don't realize like they're at the theater, like they're not sleeping. Right. They're on the sleeper bus, like they're arriving at the theater like six a.m., mm-hmm. getting up, and like all day they're setting up, and like so it's just yeah definitely understand like where they're coming from and like i never minded one thing about those tours you kind of got to have equipment that's going to be durable now what equipment did you use yeah so for those first two uh tours motown and rotten uh the company provided drums for me so i didn't have to take my personal they had a kit um that i guess came from whatever tour um that was before motown they used the same kit for motown and rotten it was a pearl reference um five piece kit so it was great kit great great kit um and for the first tour they provided symbols too it was like Zildjian dark case i was using for motown um really great um kit and they had two big drum cases for me so i would just have to like put them in there put the hardware in close them up and then the crew would take care of rolling that on the truck so i never had to deal with any of that um and then for the Ron tour, I ended up I ended up taking my own symbols, but that was it. I just had my big symbol bag, and we put it in there, and they would take care of it. Yeah, you have a hard so, case yeah, or a soft case. Okay, hard case. Yeah, definitely, definitely need a hard case for these tours because there's just so much being thrown onto these trucks, so you have no idea where it's going, how it's being placed. So always hard case is the way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After something rotten, you got summer. yeah. Yeah. Same, same so company rotten, or how'd that, how'd that all happen? Different company. Yeah. So all of it is, it's all connected. Um, yeah, something Ron was like a 10 month tour. Um, and then actually it was, it was during rotten. I want to say it was like in the springtime. Um, I got a phone call. We were playing a show and I got this phone call from New York. I saw my phone in the side ring. I was like, hmm, I wonder who that is. And this person left a message. So I remember it was like between scenes, there was a bit of a dialogue scene. So I listened to what the message was and it was John Miller asking me if I would be interested in playing for the Donna Summer musical. And I like totally freaked out. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, 
And the way that that my name got to him was that MD from the first national from Big Rotten, his name is Brian Kennedy. Um, he um, was talking to Miller, I guess, and was throwing some names out there. And he like kind of vouched for me um, and sent him my information and said, this is Jesse Ray, sent him my email, my number. Um, and I think I had reached out to John as well a while before that, but I'd never heard anything back. And I, I figured out as much because he's so busy and he's dealing with so many people. But um, I guess the connection between Brian and maybe me reaching out to him, um, he decided to take a chance on me, I guess. Um, so that's how that all came about. Um, so I accepted that. And uh, yeah, we stopped something rotten. And honestly, it was like, I think it was July 1st, we were done. Um, I had July and like the first two weeks of August off. And then we started mid-August of 2019. Yeah. So before we get to 2019 and something that happened yeah. in 2020, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 we yeah. met and you came to see Ain't Too Proud. Actually, now, it's funny. Yesterday, I was looking at my phone and I got a memory pop up exactly two years ago. Yesterday is when I met you and sat in the pit. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was September 13th. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Now I, I know we, have, so we have a connection not only because I did a lot of stuff in Rhode Island, but I can't remember yeah. how you know Parker Reed, right? Right. So yeah, yeah, you're right. So um, my senior year of college, like I said, I had switched to music education. So my uh, uh, last like two months of my senior year was student teaching, and I was student teaching at Barrington High School, where Parker is a student. So yeah, I was like his student teacher for a couple of months. And um, yeah, I remember, I, I, I remember working with him. And then the year after, after I did Motown, um, the teacher I was teaching with, her name is Barbara Hughes at that school. She reached out and was like, Parker's interested in Broadway drumming. Like, we'd love to talk to you if that's possible. So I met with him for lunch one day. And um, yeah, I can't remember how I brought that up to you. But yeah, you know his father, right? That's correct, and I've that's so funny. <laughs> known Park, the the band that I played with in Rhode yeah. Island was Evil Twins, and Oliver Reed, okay. Oliver Reed was the guitarist. I see. So that's a, the whole province thing. He's still teaching in Rhode Island, and Parker is nice. at SUNY Purchase in his second year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've been following Parker on Instagram. He seems like he's been doing really well. Yeah, I, I finally, you know, my girlfriend and my girlfriend and I were trying yeah. to get him to mm-hmm. post things on Instagram. And he's like, I don't really know how yeah. to do it. And so he finally mm-hmm. started posting stuff. I'm like, yes, because he's, re- yeah. he's really good. And I like this thing that mm-hmm. he's posting. And, you know, the, yeah. the whole thing that I was going to bring up is, you know, you and the MD for, mm-hmm. I guess it was something rotten and, yep. and reaching out to John Miller. If someone yeah. is uh, on your mind, they're going mm-hmm. to remember you and they're going to reach out to you to say, well, you know, I just was talking to somebody. Right. Let's see if they're interested mm-hmm. in doing the summer musical. So it's all part of networking. Right. Now I can't exactly. remember how, I don't know if you reached out to me on Instagram or was it through Facebook? Yeah. Or, I can't remember how. Yeah. I think it was on Facebook. Yeah. I think I added you and I ended up writing, writing a message to you and you were like, yeah, you were super sweet about it. I'm like, yeah, please come sit. Um, yeah. I think, I think I'm pretty sure that's how I initially reached out to you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It never hurts. You know, like the, le- the way that I always viewed it was like, what's, what's the worst they're going to do? Say no. At least you tried. Right. You right. Know? Cause 
Yeah, well, if I never did that, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. That's you, would, you would have no idea. Who, you would have no idea who I am. Twenty nineteen. Did you go and see other shows when when you were in town or? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, for all all three of those shows when I was like here in the city rehearsing, I made sure to see a bunch. Um, like I had seen, I saw the band visit when it was here. Um, sat in the pit with you. Uh, I think the same year I sat in with you, I sat in with Matt over at Wicked. That was my first time sitting in the Wicked pit. That was awesome. Great experience. Such a nice dude. Yeah, really, really nice. Um, What else did I see? Yeah, I I definitely saw a bunch. I saw Mean Girls. Um, I saw Kinky Boots before it closed. Um, So definitely took advantage of being here while I was in the area. Mm -hmm. So you went out on tour with Donna Summer. uh, summer. Yeah. Yep. So started summer. Yeah, we started rehearsals mid-August. Um, and then we were out and, um, this was my first, uh, equity union gig. So oh. no more bus and truck, which was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we hit some good cities. Um, we did like, we did Cleveland, got to go to the rock and roll hall of fame. That was great. Um, yes. we did, uh, uh, we teched in Rochester. That was first Rochester, New York. Um, we were in LA for like a month. Which is amazing. Maybe three three weeks maybe at the Pantages, like gorgeous. Yeah, that's a great theater. Um, mm-hmm. That was a blast. Um, we did San Francisco for a full month. Um, All right, where'd you play in San Francisco? I was it at, in the uh, Tenderloin District. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it was. I heard it's we even were, worse um, now, but it's bad that was that was honestly the worst um like little area that i that i've experienced in the city in a long time i thought where we played um in baltimore i thought that was bad like by the hippodrome if you ever played there like that area was really rough this was this was different um yeah we were there for a whole month like around christmas time and i remember um walking i think it's called market street which is the main strip there and uh <laughs> I was just walking down after dinner, like right before the show was starting, right across the street, I hear pop, 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 three gunshots. And like, everybody starts running. What? It was like heart drop. Cause you, you never know, you hear, you know, all these things going on with gun violence. It's just like your heart, like, it was just a crazy feeling. It was just, um, it was like gang violence in the area. They weren't shooting at anybody, but it was, it was scary. Yeah. Oh, it was wow, really I didn't think it was area. that bad. I mean, I've I think, heard like people yeah, yeah. stepping over people and trying to, to step over feces and, Oh, oh yeah, that, that too. But that too. Mm-hmm. Violence yeah, like that. Damn. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, I think we played at um, Golden Gate. I think that's what the theater's called. It was just down the street from uh, where Hamilton's playing at the Orpheum. Oh yeah, not too far from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were like right in that little area. So yeah, it was an interesting month for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I gotta say, I love the city of San Francisco. I think it's beautiful. Me too. And, you know, it there's is. so much to see in Golden Gate Park. I love it, but man, mm-hmm. there's just certain things that they they could fix. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, and I, I really hope they do because it's such a unique city. There's no other city like San Francisco, right? Looks like that, you know, it's it's really beautiful and amazing. So yeah, I, I really hope so that they can so, turn that so around. You, yeah, you survived the gunshots in San Francisco. I did. <laughs> <laughs> made it made it through we prevailed <laughs> <laughs> and you wind up going to various cities and yeah a few other cities yeah we got a good six months out of it and then um so right around the time the pandemic was hitting like when things like first started it's kind of weird so we had um a week layoff the first week of march oh. um and i went yeah i went to london on a trip 
so but, and this is like when things like things weren't shut down yet but like things were weird um people were starting to wear masks in public wearing gloves like it was it was just like very strange so i was there i was in london for the first week of march came back and we were playing toronto uh we're gonna be playing toronto for two weeks so we hit toronto and then now things are getting serious in the, in the united states and uh things are shutting down new york shutting down the national tours are shutting down but like we were still kind of just like floating around and like still doing our thing because we were in canada like, it was just they didn't shut things down yet. So we played, uh, it was that second week of March, we played Tuesday through Friday night. And then that Saturday morning, um, we got the, the email that Toronto's pulling the plug. So uh, that was it, yeah. And then next day on a plane home, and uh, yeah, I'm sitting in my parents' house in Rhode Island for the next year and a half. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. wow, okay, and that's yeah. w- where we are right now. Right. Yeah. So exactly. when you were in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. tell me how you got. So look, you you started out playing in elementary school and high school bands, yeah. and then you go to college, you get your degree, yeah. And you get mm-hmm. out, you do two, you do a bus and truck tour of Motown, mm-hmm. and you do something mm-hmm. rotten, which was a little, you know, more bus and truck touring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you yeah. get a 100%. real gig. I mean, a real. Yeah. Equity gig with yeah. summer. That's like okay, this is it's getting better and better. Then stuff happens yeah. like, with all of us, and you go yeah. back home. Yeah. Then you move to the next level. Tell tell me about this K-pop. Thing. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so K-pop. This all happened uh, through my MD from the Donna Summer musical. Um, so while we were on the road, she already knew that she was going to be involved in this show. She was hired as the AMD. K-pop that's coming to Broadway. Um, so I knew about that and like we never talked about her or anything. Like I knew that she had it. I was so happy for her. And then um when I was home, like after the pandemic, uh, like a couple months later, um, she texted me and she was like, you know, our MD for this show doesn't really have a drummer in mind that they want to use. So I'm going to give them your name and um, you know, we'll see what happens. Like if if you just play for like, you know, the workshop. Like, I mean, that would be a great um, opportunity for you. Like, I don't know if you would be able to do it, be hired for the chair, but just wanted to let you know, like, I'm putting your name in. So, like, great, that's, that's amazing. Um, and then a couple of months later, well, yeah, several months later, I think it was last December, um, she called me and said that they're, um, they're going to take you in on this. So um, she's the one that vouched for me, and I owe her so much for that. Um, and then I got a call from the contractor's, um, I believe it was February of 20, yeah, 2021. It must have been, yeah, February 2021. So I got the official call. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be starting that. And now things are just crazy. So we were supposed to start rehearsals um, this November and do an out-of-town in D.C. in December. But that's our, it already got canceled for COVID concerns and whatnot. So um, it's still like, you know, a crazy game over here trying to figure things out, but um, we are still going to start some work sessions in the city, November through December, just kind of to start getting things rolling because they've been trying to like really get something together for a long time. K-pop did in, uh, an off-Broadway run, I believe it was 2017 in Ars, at Ars Nova, um, and I think it did pretty well. Um, 
for these past couple of years, they've been trying to develop it for Broadway. And now we've just had so many obstacles with COVID and like trying to get things running. Um, so yeah, I'm just looking forward to like getting in the room and like being able to work on a little something for the time being. Um, and then I don't think we're going to officially open until next, um, next August or start rehearsals next August. Yeah. It's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's yeah. going to be a while mm-hmm. from now, but you have something else yeah. happening. <laughs> you just stuff, right, stuff yeah. just keeps falling in your lap. <laughs> attracting that good, I, I don't know I guess you attract good energy, which is great. So, right, I guess. Tell yeah. me, tell me what just so, happened. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know if I can mention like names of titles of things yet. Okay, I don't okay. know what's announced, but I will <laughs> say yes. Yeah, so literally, so I was, um, I just got an, uh, an email a couple of days ago um, from a contractor here. And she said that uh, my name came highly recommended from Ron Melrose, who was the uh, music supervisor for Donna Summer, and Brian Kennedy, again, who was that uh, MD for the first National Something Rotten that kind of helped me get onto Summer. Like, I, I owe him a lot as well. Um, so they talked to her about me. And um, there's a new show being developed for Broadway that's supposed to be opening in March. Um, and they are going to be doing a little uh, work session out of town this October. So I just, I just got confirmed for that. Now, it's not confirmed that I'm going to be going to Broadway with the show just yet. But this is kind of like my uh, audition, if you will, I guess, into it. So I need to bring it for this um, little out of town in October. And then we'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, hopefully, there will be another show happening for me um, this coming March, which would be which would be really fantastic. I hope so. Yeah. That's great. That's great to, yeah. great to hear. Congratulations. And I hope it, thank uh, you so much. All works out. And the thing that thank you, you'll probably be able to uh, mm-hmm. take away from a lot of the interviews that I do on, on this podcast is that mm-hmm. drummers generally are connected to music directors yeah. and you tend to go from show to show to show with them. And uh, right. that's kind of mm-hmm. what happened with me with uh yeah. Kenny, Kenny mm-hmm. Seymour and doing Memphis yeah, and, yeah. and now mm-hmm. Ain't Too Proud and hopefully some right. other things. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of drummers connect with a certain person. And if you have that good yeah. working relationship and you guys mm-hmm. you know, know each other, because generally when you do certain workshops or readings, mm-hmm. when you're doing those things, yeah. the music director wants to know that you can do, you can, you can kind of read their mind and know what right. they want. And that's good mm-hmm. for them. It makes their job easier when they're dealing yeah. with choreographers and and uh, and directors. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why you know you keep right. moving from thing to uh, thing to thing. Right, right. Yeah. What's his name again? Thank from you, Brian. Um, yeah, Brian Kennedy. Yeah, Brian Kennedy. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So if there's one thing that you could uh, tell younger people that are younger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about doing shows, what do you think right. is the most important thing that a young drummer should know about yeah. playing in musicals at this level? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing, like getting into it, like if this is something you really want to do, I definitely want to stress that you don't initially need to be in New York to do this. You know, like coming from me, like I was just in my parents' house in Northeastern Rhode Island and, you know, got my foot into in the door with this non-union show that then opened bigger doors for me. Um, like right now at the age of the internet, like it's, it's much easier to be able to audition from home and, you know, show what you have to offer. 
So I definitely want to stress that because I know how expensive New York is and how daunting that can be for a young person, like trying to make a living and, you know, moving here and spending all that money. It's tough. It's not easy. So I definitely want to stress that it's possible to do it elsewhere as well. Um, and then once you do get into it, um, you know, just, you need to know that it's not just about being a good drummer. It's about being a great person, about being an even better person and being somebody that people want to be around because if you're not, then you're, you're not going to get the call back to do that show. Nobody's going to want to be stuck on you on a bus with you for nine months. You know, if, if you're not, you know, a decent person and you don't, um, you know, bring, help bring, you know, joy to the team and, um, you know, just spread positivity, you know, because if you don't, people just kind of, no matter how good you are and how amazing you are, they're not, they're not going to want to hire you back. So that's, that's definitely a key for me as being a musician. And that goes for any musician, not just being a drummer in, in any kind of playing scenario, really, if you want to get the call back. Yeah. Some of the th- some of the mistakes that you made over the past three or four yeah. years. Yeah. What's what's right. one thing that you you know you could share with somebody to say you know what yeah. probably shouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Not doing it a fit definitely. Um. Don't get too comfortable. And I don't mean like you know. Of course, you want to be comfortable with your book and know it well and you know be solid with it. But what I mean is you know you don't want to get lazy. Start zoning out especially in between scenes, um, you know, after playing show number 235, it could be very easy to fall into the pattern of, you know, I'm not really feeling it tonight and what's going on on my phone, what's going on on Instagram between scenes. And then before you know it, you missed the cue. Um, I remember one time something rotten. There's a cue, um, where, uh, usually we were, we were on a click. So usually you would hear like a three, four into it. And um, there's the one cue where, like, it was just like you have to watch the conductor, like you have to really watch, and then it's just like two little hits. It was like Shakespeare hit that, and uh, I was just like totally zoned out, missed it. It was like our first, it was like our first show too. It was like our our opening show, and I was like, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> so definitely don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, you always, no matter what, you always need to be on your toes. Um, because you never know what's going to happen, especially like things always happen on stage um, that are sometimes out of your control. If like an actor misses an entrance or something, like you just, you need to be right there and ready to do whatever needs to be done to keep the show moving along. Yeah. What kind of gear do you prefer or like or have? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sure. So uh, I have a few different um, endorsements. Uh, with some drum companies. So um, the first one I got was during something rotten. I've been using Bosphorus cymbals for the past three years. Um, handmade in Istanbul, Turkey. They're a wonderful company to work with. And I remember playing a lot of their cymbals when I was in high school. My band director had a bunch of their cymbals. So um, I had reached out to them and um, told them what I do. And it just kind of worked out. So Bosphorus cymbals. Um, this past year, I've been linked up with Los Cabos Drumstick. Um, they are a drum company that's up and coming in Canada. Um, I actually, I got that um, connection through Q, Q Robinson, who you know as well. Um, he has a good friend that um, is an artist with them, and they were looking for more drummers to join their roster. So um, 
they thought that it'd be cool to have a, a theater drummer because they don't really have many uh, Broadway theater drummers on their roster. So I've been using their stuff, which is fantastic. And I've been using SJC Drums. Um, SJC, it's this like boutique drum company out of Massachusetts. And they make a lot of drums for my guys, the pop punk drummers, like mm. Trey Cool from Green Day U uses their drums. Um, Cyrus Baluki from this band called New Found Glory uses their drums. A lot of, they kind of cater to that style. Um, and I always loved their drums. So I ended up reaching out to them and um, it just kind of ended up working out. Um, Cause same thing, they don't have any theater drummers either really on their roster. So um, they were down for it. So I got this beautiful, um, like this blue teal uh, oyster wrap uh, on this five piece drum set. Oh, and I actually just, had to make um, an eight-inch tom and a little um, ten-inch snare drum too um, for K-pop when that happens next year. So definitely excited for that. Um, so those are the, the big three that I use, um, and I always use uh, Remo drum heads as well. That's very cool, man. Mm-hmm. SJC, yeah, 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 SJC, yeah, they're a really great company. Yeah, have you ever heard of them? I have not. Yeah, yeah, definitely look them up. Yeah, they make some really cool stuff and they do some really cool custom kits. Um, so what does yeah, the SJ, I'll, I'll is it a, uh, somebody's initials? SJC? Yeah, it's the owner's initials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. SJC. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. They're based. Yeah. I still, I haven't been to their factory yet. I, I really want to, cause it's, it's not that far from where my parents live. Um, but yeah, they're located right in Massachusetts and, um, they make some really, really great drums. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to send you some stuff in there. It's, it's, we're doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I uh, tend to look at your Instagram feed from time to time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people that want to do theater, they tend to play mm. a lot of stuff from theater, but I tend to gravitate towards right. those that, that don't. And I like the fact that you're playing yeah. other things and it's more yeah. interesting mm-hmm. to me. Just, just, just my opinion. I just uh, like, yeah. so right. as far as your social media, where can people find you? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I'm mainly active on Instagram. It's just my name at Jesse Ray Leach. It's J E S S E R A Y L E I C H. Um, and then also, um, I'm on Facebook too. You can just look at my name. Um, J E S S E hyphen R A Y L E I C H. Um, those are the two that I use. I have a Twitter too, but like, I'm not really active on there. So definitely if you want to reach out Facebook or Instagram, is the way to go. And um, I do have a website as well. It's um, www.jessieraydrums.com. No TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> no TikTok. I do, I do have a TikTok, but I, I'm not really active on it. Yeah, I tried to put <laughs> some videos on, but I don't know what it is. Like, I can't get into it like these um, other people are doing. Like, there's some amazing stuff on TikTok. Like, I've seen some great drummer videos on TikTok, but I... I just like couldn't figure out that algorithm. So I was just like, you know, I'm going to stick to Instagram. Like that's what just throw up the video, do it. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's some really cool things that drummers and musicians are doing on TikTok for sure. But Snapchat. Not for me yet. Snapchat. No, no Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, my, my kids try to, you know, they don't really keep me up with all this stuff, but I try mm-hmm. to look at TikTok and, and I'm, I'm too old for Snapchat. And even, even for TikTok, it's really not for me. You got to do so much in order to like get people's attention. It's I don't have the time to put That's one second videos. And I'm like, you know what? 
that's the thing. You need to find something that's like really creative and like that's going to catch like in order to go viral if you want to get it to that level. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. Actually, one of the actors from our Something Rotten tour, he is super TikTok famous right now. Um, I don't know if you've seen him. He, um, it's, yeah, it's this guy. Um, he has the mustache, but um, he'll, he'll dress up and do scenes from movies, but, like do full scenes from movies. Like just him, he'll have the outfit on, then he'll be in another outfit. Like it's, it's incredible what he does, but he is absolutely TikTok certified famous now. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, you're going to be certifiably Broadway right. drumming 101 right. famous. Yes. yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and Broadway famous. Congratulations to oh, hopefully. your uh, new endeavors. Thank and I hope Thank these, you so much. The, the new thing that comes in March is going to be a smash and you're on the show. Thank you. And Thank hope, you, me too. Thank I hope K-pop runs for 20 years. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be. That's the that's dream. That's and then dream. in between, you're going to have your own punk yes. pop thing right yes yes <laughs> you're, you're getting tickets vip treatment all nah. of it <laughs> me in the front row like yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you well, oh, thank God. you very much jesse ray do people call you oh, jesse or just jesse ray of course yeah jesse jesse ray yeah either one totally right. fine well mm-hmm. thank you jesse ray for being yeah. a part of broadway drumming 101 definitely reach thank out to jesse me. ray for more of uh and Check yeah. out his social media. He's a great drummer. Check, he's fantastic. Great person, as you know, right now. And uh, thank, thank you. We will definitely be talking soon. Yes, please. That sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first uh, podcasting experience, and you made it really, really fun. So I, I really uh, appreciate it, Clayton. Thank it's you for great. being here. Of course. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. If you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. The Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll learn about what it takes to be a successful pit musician with content delivered directly to your email inbox two to three times a week. For $5 a month or $50 a year, you'll have a backstage pass to the world of a Broadway drummer playing on a hit show. As a paying subscriber, you'll receive behind-the-scenes access to the life of a musician who makes a living on Broadway. You'll also be able to read every post, not just those occasional free ones. You'll get access to all newsletter issues in the archives and have an ability to participate in subscriber-only comments and events. If you become a founding member for a gift of only $75, you'll receive discounted private drum lessons, an opportunity to watch Clayton play in the pit of his show, and a 25% discount on future promotional products. If you'd like to make a direct contribution to the production of this show, you can reach us at Venmo at Clayton-Craddock, Cash App at Syncopated, that's C-I-N-C-O-P-A-T-E-D, or PayPal at Clayton Craddock. Any amount of support will be appreciated. Thank you for listening.